Sometimes dead is better. That's what Judd had told me when he showed me the cemetery the first time. I refused to listen, though. I thought maybe this time would be different. If only I could get him in the ground faster than the others, then he would come out okay. I was wrong. Dead wrong. Now it's my responsibility to end it, but I'm not sure if I can. I went through so much emotional turmoil and, well, digging to make him alive again. But more than that, how do you cope with killing your own son? Again. I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do. everyone this is podcast of the dead the podcast about all things horror related i'm zach palmer and sitting next to me is isaac wright Hello. and screaming eternally from the void is chrissy beetle Woo! i mean we didn't leave the yet so we're not a void we got, we got an deadline extension i think as far as i'm concerned it's still a void wow that's fair <laughs> <laughs> just your excitement over how little has been done <laughs> yeah and like y'all just haven't fallen off it's, a cliff it, yeah. that's amazing <laughs> it's like if we got really excited for the government shutdown that we yeah, had exactly. that it's like, oh shit we're, everyone gets to go back to work the government again. didn't Woo! agree fuck yes <laughs> yeah look it's, it's just fucked yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. I, I think we can just leave it there. I think that's a pretty good summation of the whole thing. Yeah, no more right. Brexit talk. No more Brexit talk. Okay. <laughs> I want to apologize in advance. If you hear any cat meows in the background of this recording, <laughs> it's because Isaac and I got a new cat. His name's Boris. But it's pretty apt for the episode that we're doing, yes. so we're not too worried yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, so if you, if you hear some cat meows, just imagine... That it's church. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the <laughs> the unofficial name that I have given Boris because I didn't name Boris. Our other roommate Ash named Boris. Boris. My unofficial name for Boris is Boris Perloff. It's <laughs> uh, a good name. <laughs> I've just been calling the same thing I call every cat. I'm just like cat, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> I do call him buddy boy. Yeah. I'm like this buddy is- boy. <laughs> This is also a mildly special episode because it's the first episode we got where someone's had a birthday, and yeah. it was Zach. Oh, yeah, happy birthday, Zach! Yeah, for sure. We yeah, we haven't had a birthday yet. Fuck off! I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't celebrate the miracle of birth. <laughs> it's this so is a horror podcast. It's only the miracle of it death. It was swamp crawling day, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh no, it was spawn. <laughs> it was spawning day or something. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever the fuck I said I like, last time. I like swamp crawling day more. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you said or not, but that's damn sure what I heard, and I enjoy it. Happy swamp crawling day, frog son. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to talk about a real great movie. Uh, <laughs> God, I'm funny. <laughs> uh, and a remake of it's coming out soon, so that's why we're covering this the, one. At but this if, point, when the episode goes up, it will be in like five days yeah, after yeah. the episode goes up. But 
before we talk about the original one, the original adaption, we got to talk about some horror news. News, 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 news. <laughs> to start off, unfortunately, we lost uh, Joe Pilato, who was known for Captain Rhodes in Day of the Dead. The uh, the uh, choke on him guy. <laughs> the guy. Yeah, that, that is what you were saying. His, yeah. his primary like yeah. gift to the world That's was the primary... choke on him. <laughs> yeah. No, it was more like. So <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the the primary line of that movie. No, um, yeah. which is uh, is great. That movie is uh, great, and everybody should watch it. And rest in peace, Joe Pilato. For sure. Thank you um, for everything you've done. As as well as as Pilato, we lost Larry Cohen, who made many brilliant films. Notably, the one he's probably the most known for is writing and directing the stuff. The stuff. The stuff. And like I said, unfortunately, I have not seen the stuff. But as soon as I googled it, I looked it up. I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this cover though. I've seen this You've cover. You've seen this everywhere. poster. <laughs> he also uh, wrote Maniac Cop and uh, <laughs> A Return to Salem's Lot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he is the director of the movie behind the poster <laughs> for, for the, the stuff. stuff. <laughs> <coughs> yes. Choke on your words. <laughs> <laughs> choke on. <laughs> Anyway, um, another piece of news this week was it was the 40th anniversary, or it is the 40th anniversary of the series Phantasm. I guess the first specifically the first film, correct? Yes, 1979. Don Coscarelli's Phantasm. Beware the tall man is what someone said in some fucking site that I was reading news on. (laughs) So there you go. Um, There's something to take away from there. (laughs) I fucking love Phantasm. No, that movie is amazing. Boy. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. the voice like that. <laughs> <laughs> the scrim really did not like that. Nope. Um, um, but, but in honor of the 40th anniversary of Phantasm, they are releasing a new and, and, and shiny uh, Blu-ray box set. It's yeah. going gonna, gonna to be brand spanking new and going to be good. All five of the films. Correct. Okay. It's going to be all five of the films. It's going to be in a sphere that's going to be like the same... Like it's gonna be like, like prop size replica of the sphere orb of the orb silver thing, yeah. thing yeah. from the Phantasm, and that's series. really cool. I like that a lot. Fun fact: uh, Phantasm was the first movie me and my girlfriend watched together. Aww. Really? Yes. Yeah, that was our first date. We it was uh, oh because they they were screening it somewhere, right? No, no, no. This was at her house. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could have sworn that they were screening Phantasm somewhere recently. So yeah. that's what I thought. She, you meant. Never uh, mind. I, yeah, we. Uh, it was Valentine's Day. And uh, I was like, I'm going to bring over some horror movies. And she's like, that's rad. And I brought over a, a few movies. I brought over Phantasm. I, I brought over My Bloody Valentine because I felt like that was obvious. Um, but a little too obvious. Yeah, like. we didn't end up watching obvious, that. Yeah. We ended up, she, she chose Phantasm because she'd never seen it before. And after we finished watching it, she was like, that was great. Thank yep. you. I got to movie. see the 4K remaster when it was like being shown in theaters in the UK. Like right after JJ really? Abrams had remastered it in. Oh, that's cool. Stunning yes. 4K. Oh yeah, Oof. that was, that movie would be amazing. Like with everything done, mm, it's beautiful. <laughs> so good. But anyway, uh, another piece of news this week is they dropped the new teaser trailer for Scary Stories to Tell. Uh, scary Stories. To tell in the dark. Words are hard. Yeah, I need to enunciate better. <laughs> yeah, words, words are hard. 
But anyway, but we watched the the trailer right before uh, getting on here and starting to record and everything, and it is dope as fuck. Oh, I yeah. am actually really excited Ooh. about it. Some of the effects and stuff look really cool. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, we did point out that there is a, a, a kind of dumb piece of dialogue in there, like <laughs> yeah. kind of lackluster uh, voice out. <laughs> you don't read the book. The book reads you. It's um, not one of the better lines in Hollywood. I yeah, think. I don't know. I, since it's coming out in summer and it's going to be a summer blockbuster, they're throwing everything at the wall and see what sticks so oh, yeah. get people in the seats for it. So I get it, but it's just like, come on, have the like a little bit more The name behind it already means people will be in the seats for it. It's, it's Del yeah, Toro. True. Yeah. I mean, I think that the book series, too, is going to make a lot more people see it <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. than just Del Toro being in there. But still, yeah. anyway, I don't know. It is interesting. Y'all should check it out. It is a really good uh, trailer. And I'm looking forward to the movie. It sucks that we have to wait till summer to see it. <laughs> oh yeah, but in that's the way it is. In gaming news, because you know <laughs> gamers rise up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag real gamers. Um, of all for... of all the groups that I don't want to rise up, quote unquote. <laughs> I think it's the game because I swear to God, half the conversations I hear in a GameStop just make me think these are the people that just need to leave. I wouldn't say the gamers are the top of the list, but like the top of the list is definitely like white supremacists. Well, yeah, no, like... I mean, no, I never said top of the list. I said of all the groups that like could. But rise then, up. but then also a lot of gamers are white supremacists. So yeah, oh. yeah, they are. Um. But no, for... for... Please, oh god, let's not even go there. I'm so confused about how the fuck the PewDiePie saga has gone. I don't understand. And I'm like, okay, so he is actually a racist? No, what the fuck? Who yeah. is this man? No, why Why does people give he, him money? He was always a racist. Yeah, he was always a racist, oh and god. he is 100% a white supremacist. And he still gets money, and he still has fans? Because people think it joke. Yeah. It's joke. Uh, Some people think it's a joke. God but anyway, we are digressing. <laughs> <laughs> in Dead by Daylight, a popular sort of survival horror game, is adding to their already quite big list of horror characters they've got on there as DLC. Because of course it's DLC and you have to pay for it. But <laughs> they are getting Ash. And Bruce Campbell is voicing him in-game. They already cool. have Leatherface. Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. But who voiced Michael Myers? Oh, and Jigsaw. <laughs> oh, shit. They've also got Jigsaw. He doesn't do anything. He sits in a chair. You sit in a and chair. Dies of, <laughs> and dies of brain cancer. Yeah, and no. What, films, what? And then is no, no really longer seen unless in flashbacks. Like, d unless, I could die of brain cancer. Unless there's a level where all it is is like a SimCity type thing where you're constructing a death room <laughs> and, and then you put players Whoa! in it. Whoa! Million dollar idea! <laughs> million dollar I, idea! I totally play it, yes, but I'm illustrating a point that otherwise there's no excuse to have Jigsaw trademark. in that trademark, type of game. Trademark, 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 trademark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Dead by Daylight is getting Bruce Campbell to be Ash. That is, is really cool. Neat. Yeah. Now I need the game. You already needed the game, it sounded like. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> to play it I'm vaguely interested. Yeah, me too. I want to really. be Leatherface. <laughs> but vaguely. I just want to be Leatherface. Yeah. I'm trying to think who I would want to be out of all those. I, probably Freddy. Probably Freddy. Uh, is Freddy voiced by Robert England? 
I don't know. Let me go to my Steam. What if it's about the new look? guy? Oh, what if it's oh, the guy who, who did it? In, yeah. Or it was, or it was just someone that they just got to do it because whoever. What if it was Mark Hamill? Ooh. <laughs> just I doing wish. the Joker voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, that'd, a, be, that'd be weird. There's, a, there's an interesting... Like, okay, let's make a Friday... Or not, Just sorry. Just overdub Nightmare a Friday Street the Street cartoon, yeah. and it's got Mark Hamill voicing Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. There's another million I, uh, dollar idea. Which we can't Trademark. Do, trademark. That trademark. one's already trademarked by multiple media um, companies. Trademarked. <laughs> it doesn't say... It looks like it's based off of... Um, oh, it looks like it's based off of 2010 Freddy. Oh, God. Oh, okay, whatever. It gross. Fine. Looks kind of gross. Fine. Why? Why would? Why is that the one you would base it off of? The the worst. What? God, I'm angry. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's 2010, Freddy. Because people are saying like, why is this on Steam reviews? Are saying why is this not Robert Englund? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad other people have drawn issue with it. Okay. So. Anyway. <laughs> In anticipation of animation and cool things, <laughs> there is gonna be an Adams Family cartoon, like film, animated film, Zach's and it involves dying, the original the 1930s art, which is really cool. <laughs> it does good, look yeah. really cool. The the poster does look really. I'm really. And loads it. of people are complaining about it. And if you complain about it, if you're listening to this, then. You are wrong. It's really <laughs> nice art. I like the original art style, and mm -hmm. it's nice to see them actually pulling from that, and rather than just basing it off of the '90s films. Yeah, or the or the other cartoons, because the other cartoons, you know, they they all have the same like problems that a lot of '90s cartoons have. You know, where it's like it, they feel like they're just being done by weird animation companies, and then like the overall art is good, but then the final product, you're like, eh. Yep. So, if you're wondering this whole news section why, why I haven't had anything, it's because I do have a thing, and it's a big thing. Uh, I saw Us last night, and we've Ooh. talked a lot about Us like leading up to the release of it and, and how excited we were for it, and I must say that the hype was is real. Mm -hmm. You said it was really good. It's very, really very good. Cool. I am now, very I, excited. I, I've heard some mixed things about it uh, leading up to this, and I'm not sure why. Um, because I think maybe part of it is tone. Does I, I'm not going to, obviously, I'm, this is a spoiler-free review. This is, I'm going to just try and talk about it in the most general terms possible. But it's, it's a little, it's funnier than you would expect. Uh, there's a lot of, like, comedy elements. There's a lot of stuff that is, is pretty entertaining. But it's not unlike Get Out. Get Out. I was about to say, I mean, feels good about it. putting a lot of, like, humor into, uh, overall upsetting subject <laughs> yeah and i don't know the the premise of it is really good the uh, the story of it is is really good and i'm not going to reveal too much uh but basically it's just uh what if you had uh another half another person mm -hmm. that had that was a physical representation of your other like a, a shadow version of yourself Okay. That's essentially what just the, like Shadow Link, yeah. Right. That's essentially what the <laughs> what the premise of the whole movie is. Okay. Um, and then it just spirals out of control from there, essentially. Um, but the ending has a really great twist. Uh, I'll say mm -hmm. that there's it, it's very unexpected. I mean, it's not necessarily unexpected, but it's just like you you're just like oh oh oh. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. <laughs> uh, and that that's all I'm going to say about the ending. But it is it's really good. The ending's really good. Uh, the music in it is really good. There's a, a fuck the police is in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck the police is in it. One of the main songs is I got five on it. Yeah, Hell that's yeah. like the main song. Love that song. That's like <laughs> it plays multiple times throughout. The I movie. feel like wasn't that in one of the trailers? Too? Yeah, they do like it's in one of the trailers. I think. Yeah, but yeah. They, they do an orchestral version of it. Whoa. Oh my yeah. god, that's amazing. Of like the main Sick. like the synth line. That song's gonna be stuck in my head for days after I, I see this movie. I got five on it. Oh, <laughs> that song's good. I know Tim Heidecker is in it. Oh, Tim Heidecker plays a great character. Oh, uh, yeah. Tim, he- Tim Heidecker is really good. He is both serious and hilarious uh, at the same time, like in the stuff that he he plays. I don't feel like either Tim or Eric could do any serious role, but while they're like completely straight, it is you know exactly I mean? the performance that you would expect exactly. from Tim Heidecker. I don't think that, they let have, me just put it that way. They don't have a range. It's just that is their range. It's just serious, but also very comedic at the same time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is. And of course, uh, Lupita is phenomenal. She mm. plays because she plays herself and her shadow self, essentially. And she plays both of them very differently, Ooh. but very effectively. That's really cool. Well, yeah. She is uh, that, that, absolutely brilliant. What she, she is does. a gr- great, yeah. great actress. She is so good in this. And she carries the whole thing, of course, really? as, you, <laughs> as you would probably expect. Um, I don't know. It's got there's a lot of themes that are tackled in it that I think are, are really uh very poignant and especially you know, it's just like you would expect Jordan Peele to do. He he yeah. kind of has uh, a little bit of commentary, not as much on race as Get Out <clears throat> was, but more on uh I guess how we perceive ourselves, like our, our image of ourselves mm-hmm. essentially. That's what it sounds like. That's it, what it sounded like to me. Yeah. And that's actually really mm. intriguing because you know, you know, that's stuff that everyone can relate yeah, to. Yeah, and, sure. and it's kinda like it, it's kinda like questioning what what how we define ourselves personally, mm. you know what I mean? That kind of thing. It, it's kind of a, a character study in that sense. That's cool. Like a grand character study, yeah. I guess. Um and it's it's really good. I would highly recommend it. I don't have a rating system. I'm not I'm yeah, not, that's a, I don't I'm even not, want not, to start one I'm of those. E, I'm not Ebert and Roper. I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying it's it's good. It's good movie. Good. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of my the the most unintentionally hilarious thing that's come out of us is all the people or like the uh, angry white people who are like Jordan Peele is racist. I don't like the way oh, yeah. he doesn't cast white people. <clears throat> and it's like, oh, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> I think any of the mixed reviews about us or even of Get Out were because angry white people. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> they don't understand. They're just like, oh, he's being racist. He's casting, uh, like, m- mainly black people in, uh, you know, in a genre that is predominantly white. Like, I don't know. People were. White people suck. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we are all the white people here, and white people suck. Yeah, I suck. No, nope. I mean, I, I, that's that's just the way it is. But anyway, it's really good. You should watch it. But now we're gonna talk about the king. Podcast of the dead. This week we're talking about our very first Stephen King adaption. Which is uh, I don't know how we haven't yeah. talked about a Stephen King adaption yet. We've just been jumping around. We have we haven't been taking yeah. any kind of like 
actual mapped a route through horror movies. So yeah. <laughs> there is no logic. There is no reason behind the things that we choose. We the, just say, hey, we want to do that. The only we logic just do things. This is probably the most logical choice we've done because what we're covering today is gonna be coming out soon as a remade property, so it seemed apt to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. This week we're talking about Pet Cemetery. And um Pet Cemetery is unique as a Stephen King adaption in that it's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's, uh, we will maybe at one point talk about all the vast amount of miniseries adaptions of Stephen King uh, properties, but Pet Cemetery is uh, good. There's a lot of um, Stephen King adaptions that uh, I don't know if it was just Stephen King himself that that kind of made them weird or he the people that he chose to direct them or whatever, but a lot of them are bad. Um, well, he wrote most of them, and it was during the, uh... The, the phase. Oh, that's true. The drugs phase. With, <laughs> with the drugs. The um, yeah, he, amounts of drugs. Yeah, because he wrote the screenplay to a lot of the, the adaptions, right? right. So, including yeah. this one. Right. Yeah. Um, in, in sometimes... He doesn't quite get it right as far as the screenplay, because <laughs> sometimes the things that he writes don't translate correct on screen, I guess. Plus, they always seem to choose actors that don't know what acting is. <laughs> <laughs> well, case in point in this film. Uh, well, there, there's some instances of that in this film. I would say, I, 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 I want to say that I think this, this film is really well done. You said uh, when we watched it last night, this was your first time seeing it. Mm -hmm, and the, yeah. you had heard mixed things. Yes. Uh, my first time seeing it was, you know, months and months ago now. But it, it was one of my more recent ones. But yeah, no, I was blown away by this film. Especially being a Stephen King film mm -hmm. that had him directly involved it, in it. And especially stuff like in that. that particular era, era of Stephen King adaptions where things weren't so great. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> We'll get into some of the other stuff that was released around that same time, but uh, Pet Cemetery is pretty good. And that yeah. was it, last night was the first time I ever watched it, and um, I was thinking to myself, "This why did I don't know why people said they don't like this because I actually like it a lot. This is really good. This is very well done, uh, except Lewis. It, yeah. It's the first well, time Lewis that we watched something together since the Toxic Avenger when we True. were when I was in Denton." This is the first time since the podcast has started that we've actually watched something together, which is, yeah. it was nice. Yeah. It was nice. It was and uh, we'll talk about Lewis later. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, but I guess we're starting talking about just Stephen King himself. We've yes, never given yes. a, a Stephen King introduction on the show before because not having talked about any of his works. So. Yeah, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen King uh, permeates most aspects of horror life uh, at this point. Uh, there is... Yeah. Uh, no person's work has been adapted more times than Stephen King's work has, and no more. No, no person in modern history is more associated with horror uh, in suspense. Very true, because I mean, King. yeah, you talk to anyone about horror, one of the first things they're going to come up with is probably whatever most recent movie has been released or whatever most recent book they've read by him or something like that. Oh, yeah. And then you devolve in other horror topics from there. But Stephen King always seems to be like a, a big jumping off point for a lot of people. He's always whenever you go on a horror tangent, he, usually horror too. Yeah, whenever mm. whenever you go on a horror tangent about anything, it always seems to revolve back around to Stephen King mm -hmm. in in one in in one way or another. Oh yeah, 
And, uh, I mean, we will probably eventually talk about some of his other adaptions. Uh, and this is kind of a strange one for us to start off on. Uh, but like we said, we're we are... starting with a good one. Yeah, we are starting with a good one. And we were, we're doing it, like we said, because the adaption is coming out fairly soon. I, I believe when this episode airs, it'll be uh, five days from when this episode right. airs. Or... I believe that's what we said before we started. Yeah. yeah. Or something like that. It, it, in, in the realm of a week... Pe- after we post this episode. Right. So <laughs> April 5th okay. is the release date. Hard oh. numbers. Okay, and then we <laughs> this is going to be airing on the 1st. Uh so it's yeah, it will be 4 days after this episode is aired. <laughs> <laughs> timely. Timely, timely. So, uh Stephen King has written about 5,300,000 million thousand books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. He's written a lot of stuff. And um, that's why uh, not all of it's great, but um, <laughs> and that's also not counting what he's written. Written as Richard Bachman. Yeah, oh, that's really? true. This is, we're we're talking about just stuff that was written as as, <laughs> as Stephen King. But uh, yeah, there's um, there's so much Stephen King property out there, and there was there was such a large phase of his work uh, when he was writing under the influence of multiple. Uh, let's say uh, vices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that that you hear a lot, and I mentioned this last night, but one thing that you hear a lot about this movie specifically, and I, I always, I never really knew whether or not it was just kind of like a tagline or just something that people said, but Stephen King always said that this movie, Pet Cemetery, or rather this book, Pet Cemetery, was one of the only ones that he ever got truly scared writing, and we kind of discussed that a little bit, but you mentioned that he doesn't even remember writing some of his books. <laughs> Yeah, he does not remember writing Cujo. He also barely remembers directing Maximum Overdrive. Oh, that that makes sense, though. Yeah. We'll talk about Maximum Overdrive a little bit later. Um, but, but yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting that this story is the one that really gave him the chills. And I can see why, especially in the second act of the of the film yes. or the book. That's when it starts to get it, it's, it's interesting mm. because, I mean, if you're reading the book, the book has a little bit more supernatural elements than the movie does. Um, but in general, the, the story is realistic, I mm-hmm. guess. It's Very like in so. the sense yeah. of like... There's a lot of themes that are covering. We'll we'll talk about these a little bit later. But I mean, a lot of it has to revolve around death and grief. Uh, the the whole story does really real shit. Real shit. <laughs> and I I think the whole idea of it is so real and palpable that that's probably part of why um, it was terrifying to him. It's mm-hmm. like you know, I mean, yes, uh, an alien clown monster is terrifying <laughs> but not really like a, an everyday worry you know i don't know i mean what i mean you don't just don't go around I... looking into sewer drains come on now that's what i do on a daily basis that's, uh, i just have to do that that's part of my job i have to go hunting for for small for look, small fish scales and look, other... okay if i if i saw a very ominous looking clown in a sewer i would not go up and talk to it <laughs> Okay, Georgie's an you idiot. And I differ. George, Georgie's an idiot. Okay. That's where you and I differ, Zach. Because I'd go and be like, "All right, mate, how you doing? You can, you can have my arm. It's fine." I didn't need that one anyway. Jeez. I jack off with my own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's uh, a little bit about Stephen King. 
in a little bit about uh, what he basically sees this book as in terms of his other works is that definitely it's one of the scariest things to him that he's ever written. So with that in mind, uh, let's talk a little bit about, like, because we we try and do this as much as possible with movies, is we try and talk about the origins of the story, uh, just like when we talked about Wicker Man, we were talking about maypoles and uh, paganism and that sort of stuff. Uh, One of the important things in this story is uh, burial grounds, specifically Indian burial grounds, uh, which is kind of like the source of power for the, uh, the resurrection power of the cemetery that is the namesake mm. of the book and film. And one thing I was I was interested about is that you said in the book it's made very clear that it is uh, an Indi- uh, a Native American burial ground as opposed to whereas in the movie I didn't really catch that very much. If they mentioned it, it was very in passing. I just got the sense that it was this ancient site but the soil had gone bad and you know what I mean? And it used to be used in ancient rituals that didn't really enumerate who used it. It could have been Druids. <laughs> I know that's more of a UK thing, but whatever. Uh, I didn't think that they were very specific about it in the movie, I which I, I thought was interesting. I don't think in Maine it would have been druids. Uh, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of just glossed over that yeah. it was Indians. Like, they say, oh, it's an Indian burial ground, but it's kind of just entirely glossed over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so specifically in the book, they do mention that it's Mi'kmaq Indians, uh, which uh, the, the Mi'kmaq Indians are, uh, they occupied and still occupy on reservations, of course, uh, areas in Canada of uh, Newfoundland and, uh, uh, was it Labrador? Yeah, Labrador. Mm. Um, And so it's, you know, kind of like that same story with a lot of Native American tribes where basically they were pushed out and then put onto reservations and that sort of thing. And and that kind of got us talking before we started recording the episode about uh, basically a trope that we see in horror movies, especially a lot of of 80s horror movies uh, about Indian burial grounds and kind of they're like a go-to, like, bad bad juju type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, And I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it definitely, I feel like, comes from the decent space of them them understanding that yeah there's a lot of pain there you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so definitely I mean it's in poltergeist you know yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, it's a big part of poltergeist yeah so I know that there's an, there's definitely a acknowledgement of the fact that it is a painful place you know what I mean yeah. not necessarily cursed or anything like that but any I mean any cemetery is and I mean in in pet cemetery it's more the pet cemetery itself that seem makes everything creepy but the fact that it is also a Native American burial ground that's also a place of of deep pain and everything just due to cultural stuff yeah. and everything like that. Mm. And, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about the differences between the book and the movie, but technically, if we're getting real deep into it, the uh, the source of power of the pet cemetery is actually the, the Wendigo. Uh, but we'll... But that we'll is also that. a native like, yeah. cryptid. Exactly, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a Native American cryptid, cryptid which uh, I kind of want to do an episode of on only Native American cryptids because there's some really That'd great really cool. Native yeah. American cryptid there stories out there. Ones. Uh, the Skinwalker, which is uh, the Navajo uh, the cryptid, the mm-hmm. Thunderbird. There's there's some real great uh, cryptids in, in Native American uh, folklore out there for sure. But one of the other things that I did find interesting when we were looking into it a little bit is that one thing about a lot of Native American burial grounds in this country is that over time, like before the, the 20th century even, apparently it's like mainly in the 18th and 19th century, a lot of them were, had already been desecrated and looted and kind of screwed up by, you know, just treasure hunters and just other people just, you know, tearing up land to make new things and everything like that and building on top of these things. So 
that's another reason I feel like that is so pervasive is because not only was it already painful that, you know, there's so many of them in it. I mean, they're cultural places that got desecrated, but they got desecrated for the building of McDonald's or yeah. fucking Office Depot. McDonald's you know what I mean? existed in the 1890s? <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm talking about in time since. Not... <laughs> this is so, with, with the use of it, the use of it as a trope, it's going back to that sort of racist, like, stereotype mm. of Indians. Yeah, where, scapegoating. Like, oh, yeah. you disturbed these people, now they're getting revenge, bah! Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas in definitely... reality, like, it's just a place where they, you know, where they laid their dead, it isn't... Uh, it They didn't do rituals rituals in that sense, in the same way that we did them. They, they just did had spiritual like, stuff. Burial rituals. You yeah, know? right. It mm-hmm. wasn't to curse the land, but you know, white people. <laughs> Pretty Fucking much white people. <laughs> but but yeah, the, it is interesting that it kind of became such a trope. And I mean, part of it, I guess, does shed light on things. But part of it also seems a little insensitive. And I guess it's a really hard balancing act to make it to where you use this as kind of your crux of a horror story while also being like respectful. So I don't yeah. know. I feel like I feel like the movie version of this does it well, and it sounds like, especially because he did some research and stuff in the book. It sounds like uh, that he does it fairly well in the book as well. So I feel like that's a, that's good. But just I feel like this is definitely a trope that could be abused in kind of oh, a yeah. mean way. It's very, yeah, it's rarely, especially in in like eighties media and, and and earlier than that, it's rarely handled tactfully. Yeah, uh, I think in a lot of yeah. ways. But but that's you know. People were dumb. Uh, <laughs> it pretty much just boils down to that. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, that's uh, basically the source of power of the cemetery in Pet Cemetery. But let's talk about what Pet Cemetery is about. What it's even <laughs> like. We keep talking about what the this this thing that brings things back. But you know what is really the story that Pet Cemetery is, and uh, you know. You, it's okay that if you haven't seen this one, uh, we talk about a lot of stuff where it's like we're not sure if you've seen it or you have seen it. Mm. Uh, Pet Cemetery, I wouldn't say is like on the top of the list of Stephen King adaptions you should see. Obviously, I would say Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is probably near the top, and then uh, I don't know, it's all down from there. Twenty Seventeen's <laughs> It is yeah, one yeah, that one's yeah, big definitely one. go Misery. see that one. Yeah. Misery is a classic. Uh, Carrie uh, is really good. Mm. Uh, You know, there. I mean, there's a lot of great adaptions out there, but you know, uh, there's sparkling few, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pet Cemetery is a good one, but I feel like a lot of people don't really uh, know much about it. But basically, the story of of uh, Pet Cemetery is it's about a dad who can't watch his fucking kid very well. (laughs) Um, like seriously, that pisses me off. That is that is definitely a large part of it. Yes. Uh, so there is this, uh, I guess he's an ER doctor, uh, Lewis, what's his name? Creed. I don't remember what their last name is. It doesn't matter. Is it Creed? Yes. I guess Creed. it matters for the other characters, okay. but Lewis is just Lewis. Lewis. Lewis doesn't get a last <laughs> yeah. name. Him, him, him and his family, uh, which includes Rachel, his wife, uh, uh, Ellie, the daughter, engage his, engage his son, who's mm-hmm. like two years old, I think, uh, and they all move into a new house. Um, out in the country where there's only one other house in proximity, yeah. right across the street. Not even like 
miles away or something. There's literally two houses on the middle of nowhere built right next to each other. And you're like, fuck yes. right off. Yes. I moved out here because I didn't want neighbors. In, the, in, in one, of, one of the adjoining houses uh, is their neighbor, uh, Judd Crandall. And his He's wife, Norma. He's the best. Well, and his wife, Norma, in the book. Yeah. Yes. Uh, not in the movie. And we're talking about the movie first, okay? <laughs> Before we get to the book, we are going to talk about the movie first, and his wife is not even in the movie at all. Uh, but Judd Crandall is uh, quite the character. Yes. Uh, <laughs> played by lad. Fred Gwynn. Yeah, played by Fred Gwynn, who uh, is the uh, dad from the Monsters. Indeed. Uh, with uh, something... Yeah, Herman Monster. Herman <laughs> Monsters. But yeah, no, um, Judd really carries the film, I yes. feel like. He, his acting and his uh, performance in this is really good. But anyway, he's also kind of an asshole. Even yeah. though he's the, the home, he's the best home down-to-earth guy. We'll, we'll, but. we'll get to that. We'll, yeah. we'll get to that. But but let's talk about the story real quick. So, so the story, Part of the story is that he's an asshole. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, so, let's, let's shorten it up a little. Okay. So, nearby their house that they just bought and are living in uh, is a pet cemetery, uh, spell, misspelled P-E-T-S-E-M-A-T-A-R-Y, uh, which is not how you spell cemetery. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is basically where uh, everybody in the area buries their pets. Um, and so their cat, who's named Church, uh, gets hit by a truck. Um, and they are sad about it, because I would be sad about it. Yeah. And, and Judd, uh, who had shown them the pet cemetery in the first place, uh, when, uh, Lewis is taking church to the pet cemetery, Judd says, I'm going to take you to the real cemetery, which is beyond a whole bunch of branches in a clearing, uh, further down the path. Uh, and it turns out, and, and basically Judd tells him about this whole other part of the cemetery and basically anything buried here comes back to life uh but it doesn't quite come back the same yeah um, he, he does omit come back bad. he omits some certain details initially yeah <laughs> so i initially so there's a couple different things that i don't like about <laughs> this whole scene the, the first thing is judd had already tried this he had a dog when he was a kid that he buried and came back, and that dog was bad when he came back. Dog was not good. Dog. It was bad. Dog was unruly. Got every tore up the carpet. Fucking all we it just got into the pillows. Got into the trash. Peed just. on every surface. <laughs> Peed on every surface. What a bad boy. What? I'm sorry. I'm also, it ate people. <laughs> so yeah so he knows that this shit is a bad idea but he's like no later on he tells him he's like oh, well you, you, the cat just died so if it was quicker i thought it would, maybe it would come back okay and, and, and as a sidebar mm. here i think he was doing that to make sure that what he saw as a kid was real yeah possibly um, also he i guess he maybe might have thought if he buried him faster than right. he had buried Spot, his dog from when he was a kid, he probably would have come back better, but he didn't. Mm. Uh, and Church is no. like, kind of like the devil on the shoulder the whole way through the movie, essentially. He's just like a reminder mm -hmm. of like, hey, the thing that you did with me was fucked up. Why are you continuing to try this? Yeah, see, anyway. and, and yeah, Church doesn't actually go full like homicidal on anything. He just. Fuck He's shit just up. a normal cat in reality. <laughs> yeah. He's just yeah. a dickhead. Yeah. And he smells. 
Oh, yeah, he smells <laughs> so bad. He smells like death. Uh, as you would expect, a reanimated cat. Sounds like a crust punk. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised he doesn't have, like, casualty like, patches all on his fur. Oh, <laughs> no! Come on! <laughs> Just a huge Days and Days t-shirt. Yeah, a big safety pin on his ass. Big discharge hat. <laughs> uh, God, fucking... I hate crust punks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so basically, he uh, Church comes back, but not quite right. And mm-hmm. uh, then uh, Gage, uh, while playing with a kite, runs out into the middle of the road, which has been established at this point that a lot of fast truckers not paying attention and listening to the Ramones uh, are coming <laughs> down the road fast and not paying attention. And uh, Gage gets hit and killed and by And again, I do want to make... It clear that this is the second time that Gage got away from the family because they just don't supervise him properly. Yeah, Judd it, saves him the first time and is like, hey, you're stupid. Watch your son better. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, and and it, then it happens again. In an earlier scene, uh, like like Isaac said, Judd saves Gage from being hit by a truck. Uh, <laughs> but I guess they just weren't watching him this time and Gage dies uh, by truck hitting isness with uh, the Ramones playing. Wasn't <laughs> the truck exploded? No, oh, no, the, the truck, truck is like jackknifed and like turned over. Yeah, uh, the, the the truck turns over. Look, I'm I'm used to Michael Bay films. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> I just immediately think they exploded. Or Maximum Overdrive, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why didn't Michael Bay do the Pet Cemetery remake? Come on. Anyway, no. um, I mean, there's there's a couple of side stuff as well, but uh, basically, uh, after that, Lewis uh, buries Gage uh, to to kind of truncate it. Uh, Lewis buries Gage in the uh, the reanimating cemetery, and Gage comes back, and he's not happy. And then after, <laughs> he's a bad boy. And just to sum it up, from that point on, the the film turns from being kind of like supernatural drama type movie to being a straight up slasher film. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it goes from being real kind of spooky and eerie at the first half of the film to being a complete like what the fuck, like the last yeah. half of the film. Um, and that's just the way I like it. Also, there's a ghost. <laughs> there is a ghost. Yes. Yeah, there's a ghost that talks to him. There's a, yeah, Victor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a uh, well, yeah. Okay. There's a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh this is a great uh adaption of a Stephen King film, especially in this particular era of film, uh cuz it was directed by a woman. Uh Yeet. uh Miss Mary Lambert. And the uh, top of the list of uh, of her accomplishments. You know why this film was good because she had a hand in directing what was it? What was it? Mega Python versus Gatoroid. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Haven't seen it. I have to have it. I have to. We need to find it on VHS, Laserdisc, and Blu-ray. In <laughs> uh, order to... <laughs> it was 2011, so there won't be a VHS release. Bullshit. They still make VHS releases I, for things. I can make a VHS of anything, <laughs> Chrissy, okay? I have True. blank VHS tapes. <laughs> Um, but you, we said that she did also a bunch of music videos, but she hadn't. She didn't really do a whole lot of other like big theatrical. Yeah, things, she though. did some. She did some music videos for uh, was it Madonna and yeah, Madonna, that's right, uh, Janet um, Jackson. Was it Janet, Janet Jackson, Rod yeah. Stewart, the Eurythm- the Eurythmics. Yeah, so that's really yeah. cool. So she did. She did some pretty cool stuff. Kind of. Kind of like. Uh, Gore Verbinski a little bit, yeah, because uh, Gore mm. Verbinski, uh, on top of doing the Pirates of the Caribbean films, also did some some like punk 
like music videos for like no effects yeah and, and then like and the ring religion. and you're like why did you, yeah, who gave I, you the ring why yeah i, I don't know <laughs> i have a lot of questions about going she, for she also did pet cemetery too which yeah, yeah there is a sequel to this movie <laughs> that's yeah. a thing yeah i don't know if we're really going to talk about the sequel <laughs> <laughs> well a i haven't seen it and b well, chrissy it sounds like you had and you it didn't go okay well. it's not great it's kind of fun it wouldn't deserve an episode. I'd say it deserves, like, if we're just doing a an episode on, like, Stephen, sort of Stephen King adaptations <laughs> of, of, like, sequels and stuff to films like Carrie 2, because there was oh, a yeah. second Carrie. See, and I, would say, so- I would say if we're going to talk about Pet Cemetery 2 at all, it should be this episode. And, yeah. and, and we're just going to, we're just going to leave it at that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, See, um... Because there wasn't a Pet Cemetery yeah. 2 book, right? No. 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 Okay, so it's I hate it when they do that. It's Mary Lambert's own story, I think. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's someone's story, and it, it's weirdly fun because Clancy Brown just really hands it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's also sort of like the zombie dog that... Um, okay, Richard Alton wrote Pet Cemetery 2, and... um. Yeah, uh, there's this zombie dog and it's ridiculous. It's called Zowie. Zowie? <laughs> Wowie, Zowie! Oh, wow. That's ridiculous. Wow, that's, uh, <laughs> that's quite a thing, isn't it? That takes it? me out of any kind of horror that that, <laughs> that movie might have instilled. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's uh, Mary Lambert in, in a nutshell <laughs> and the fact that she directed Pet Cemetery, uh, which And is... made up something called a Gatoroid. And yeah. Which, yeah. oh, I have a lot of questions about what a Gatorade is. <laughs> uh, namely, does it have anything to do with Gatorade? Yeah, I still, I still, oh, I'm... Gatorade with steroids in it. I'm gonna sit here and still believe that a Gatorade is now the new mascot of, like, Florida University. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, the most, like, like that fucking dog thing that can't, that, that they made accidentally in the fly, too. That's basically oh, what it yeah. is, but with a gator. Oh, no. <laughs> <with> an alligator. <laughs> They sent they they sent the alligator through a failed teleporter. Uh, yeah, that's um, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> but anyway. yeah, so I want to talk really quick about some of the cast, and right on the top, I want to talk about motherfucking Lewis. And I got the, oh, I got Lewis the fucking Creed. name of his goddamn actual actor right here. Dale Midka. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Good guy. Good actor. It's fine. But I swear to God, Lewis, if you if you say one more thing in a monotone, uninteresting voice, I'm gonna shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say right off the bat that I think Dale Midkiff, especially in this film, is very hot. Uh, he is attractive, but then you listen to him talk, and you're just like, "Oh God, nothing's there. Nothing's there up there." Is there? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot, a lot of rattling around upstairs. Isn't there? <laughs> he just makes the weirdest faces. He just makes the weirdest faces and the weirdest screams, and has some of the weirdest. Okay, it's balls cutting time now, or whatever. Like just the things that come out of his mouth. You're just like, "What the fuck is your problem?" Was it nuts getting chopped or something? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> And he makes this face. He makes this <laughs> when he's coming out of when he's like climbing out of Gage's grave when he when he's like digging him up. He makes this face like this smirk, like this kind of like 
like like smarmy smirk and I fucking I was just like what the fuck the implication kind of direction was he given to make that the face? implication I think is that's right when the police drive by and he is managed to not be caught by the police so he's like yeah I'm doing a real good job being a fucking weird criminal aren't I yeah I'm that's like good that's desecrating a grave yeah the grave of my son that I couldn't save from being hit by a truck it's a, it's a real wise acre face <laughs> 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 it's, it's very, it's very, you know, he's a wily guy, isn't he? But I don't. Some of the things that he, there is no real acting from this guy. In this film, <laughs> it doesn't movie, feel but like there's it. a lot of screaming. Yeah. So, there's a lot of shouting and yelling from him. The high point of his performance is just still when Cage dies. You think it's going to be such like a. a a memorable moment and it has this one scene in the where it is really good where right after the truck hits gauge and you see the undercarriage of the truck the kite he was playing with just like tumbles out of the sky really quick and that's a really cool image and that would have been fine if the scene just ended there but instead they immediately do this weird cut with like this weird like lighting effect to him going yeah pretty much yeah he's like and then like it really quickly cuts to just polaroids yeah and then and then gauge's bloody shoe yeah i don't it was just such a weird choice of like putting things together to make that scene work and it just didn't come off quite as you would want it there's to. Not, there's not a whole lot of really weak scenes in this movie. There's ones that are kind of strange, but I feel like strangely enough, I feel like Gage's death scene is like one of the weakest ones. Yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's which sucks because that's the one you want to be really mm. good and poignant, but it's not. But yeah, so like Lewis, yeah, Lewis is Lewis is Lewis. Okay, we've, we're done talking about Lewis. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about Fred. Fred. Talk oh, about give me that Judd. Fred Gwynn. <laughs> oh, Fred Herman Munster Gwynn. Uh, Fred Gwynn is, has a really great voice, first of all. Mm. I really love Fred Gwynn, and I, I love his portrayal of, of, of Judd Grinnell because uh, he's just like, he's that constant, like, he is, we, we kind of compared him to, like, he's a constant crazy ralph yeah <laughs> from friday the 13th like he's a he's just that guy who's always like trying to warn everybody of everything all of the time but at the same time giving them the tools to completely fuck themselves right. over yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of a weird he's got kind of a weird like like i'll i'm i'm a dad and i'm gonna have you smoke a whole pack of cigarettes so you know not to smoke anymore type thing but <laughs> he, he actually reminds me uh and i don't i don't know how many people even remember this but he reminds me of winston from home improvement like the neighbor <laughs> yes. that's behind the yeah. fence yeah like, where you can just see his eyes yeah. where he's just giving him like nice advice yeah giving good advice like i said the only difference in this case is that he's like oh, no it's cool i'll tell you how to bring your son back to life um, get the wrong. <laughs> i love i love i just love his voice as i rode. Yeah, it's not like yeah. Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, we yeah, it's we know what you're talking about. God, it's, yeah, very much. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, Dad they pick John. Better. Sometimes yeah. Dad is better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now Isaac does a pretty decent impression. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just sound like Christopher no, Walken. <laughs> no, I was about to say though. Yeah, I know they picked John Lithgow for this character in in the remake, but yes. God, put make it Christopher Walken. <laughs> Give me a Judd Christopher Walken. No, Come I think now. I think John Lithgow could actually be a really good Judd uh, Judd Crandall, honestly. Or Judge Dredd. Just... Or Judge Dredd. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh man! I just see John Lithgow as Farquaad, as Lord Farquaad in Shrek. Yep. So it's re- it was really weird to hear the voice 
and not see Lord Farquaad. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it, it's a little jarring, but I think I think he could be a good choice. But yeah, um, he's a good actor. I, as we said before, Fred Gwynn was also uh, Herman Munster in the Munsters. Uh, he was also, <laughs> I I, I kind of like him in this role. He was the judge from uh, My Cousin Vinny, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if you've yeah. seen My Cousin <laughs> Vinny. Uh, and I actually kind of like that movie. No, that uh, movie's great. I haven't seen it yeah. since I was a kid, but yeah, I do enjoy it. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a guilty pleasure. I don't but, know. But <laughs> again, I'm, all I'm going to say is like he's definitely the best character in this movie. He stands okay. heads and he, his his performance and everything is unfortunately everyone gives a decent performance, but he just goes above and beyond. You know who he gives does. actually the best performance in in this like other than than uh, uh, Fred Gwynn is Denise Crosby. Yeah, <laughs> she's really good in this too. And the only the only thing about her character is she just goes through her own storyline completely kind of secondary to the main story like she has no idea what's going on with her family most of the time in this movie <laughs> yeah. because yeah, she's kind of just caught up in her own feelings yeah but that's that's not her fault that's because lewis is off doing his own thing making True. his own choices for everybody else <laughs> this is just I mean, off being an asshole I, I made a week's worth of bacon i'm gonna go up to the pet cemetery for three days now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like, <laughs> like he's like off doing his own thing, and and like Rachel, uh, Denise's character is just like, I kind of want to just still be a mom. Like, can, I, can <laughs> yeah. we like be a family, and you just stop trying to like resurrect things in your <laughs> stupid dirt hole? No, and then I, I think, and and you mentioned this too, that some of the best, some of the best, like well executed scenes in this really are some of the flashback scenes about her pain over her sister who was suffering from spinal meningitis and those are some of the creepiest scenes too. The most real scenes. Yeah. The most real and creepy scenes Mm, I think are are with that. Maybe that's what Stephen King was talking about is like those scenes about about Because we've talked about it before that's very much family drama thing and that type of stuff always kind of gets under your skin especially if unfortunately if you have had like a family member that has some sort of illness and stuff you know that you love them, yeah. but at some point, everyone's going to tell you that it does get hard. You know, that becomes oh, yeah. a burden. And for a child, I can't imagine what that and, would be like. Uh, you know what you I mean? Call back to what she said. She was like, you know, I hated her. Like, that's like the child, the child mindset is, you know, you're confronting something you don't like, so you, you hate it, even though mm-hmm. you can't understand it. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's, you know, what Rachel feels about Zelda. And then she feels really guilty. That she wasn't mm. able to do anything when she's choking, and you know when, yeah. um, why she runs out, and why she feels guilty. So you know, into her adulthood is because she's like, oh, I feel bad for saying I hated my sister. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and and that kind of guilt and not being able to do anything is only makes Gage die right. more yeah. intense. And uh, the kid who plays Gage, uh, Miko Hughes. <laughs> oh Mik- boy, Miko Hughes. Yeah, Miko Hughes is a treasure that should be protected at all costs. Uh, Miko Hughes uh, was in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was in, like, Mercury Rising. He was in Kindergarten Cop. He was in Kindergarten Cop. One of my top five favorite movies of all time, maybe, if I had to pick some, possibly. Yeah, Miko (laughs) Miko Hughes was in so much late 80s and early 90s media that, I mean, you you would know his face if you saw it as Mm -hmm. a kid. I don't know what he's doing now. But I, I know as a kid, he did so much stuff. Um, and He was in A New Nightmare? Oh, yeah. In a new, oh, yeah, he was in A New Nightmare. That's right, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just... I don't know. He He's... 
for a kid actor, especially somebody who's so young, he actually did a pretty great uh, job. I, think. I was gonna say in yeah, this, he is really good. In this, both like the the evil, the evil version of Gage, and um, the even though a lot of that was a puppet, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but both the evil version of Gage, and also just regular baby Gage. He has a couple like just baby quips that I was like, man, you're kind of a dick. Fuck, <laughs> shut your mouth, asshole. Go fucking sit in your baby chair. <laughs> shut no up, Senator Baby Quips. This is why people don't let me around children, by the way. I just scream obscenities at them. No fail. <laughs> oh, Fuck I, you, you small demon! <laughs> no, the no fair. They, they are demons. The no fair part is an actual really good scene where he's just like no fail because it gives a personification not just to Gage but also to the demon. Like the demon has like yeah. a sense of humor after right. murdering all these people. You're just yeah. like, oh wow, you, you really are dickbag. <laughs> And that was a really uh, very convincing fall that that kid did. Yeah. Oh, I think out he, of the attic? No, oh, yeah. no, 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 oh, no. Not, not that one, no, where he says no fair, and then he stumbles backwards oh, and hits yeah. his head on the wall. Agree with you there. I think that, I think he actually done might have that. hit his head. <laughs> oh, no, there, no. I've done that. There is that one scene where Lewis wakes up after that dream or wakes up after putting Gage in the ground or whatever. He just tumbles out of bed and he hits the fucking bedside oh, yeah. table with his temple. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, shit, did he just die? Yeah, like, yeah. What the fuck? I don't know how Lewis didn't actually die from that. <laughs> as a side note, because I've done that and I felt plot like I've had armor. a concussion. <laughs> plot, plot armor. There you go. That's it. Um, oh man. Yeah. Also, the fucking daughter. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ellie is not great. She's okay. In the book, apparently, she's supposed to be like five years old. And yeah. Chrissy, you said in the book she's supposed to be really smart, right? Yeah, she's meant to be smarter than a lot of other kids. Okay. And she's she's not just shit to you know, she's five, she's cute, but she's smart and she sort of she sort of understands about death and all that. I'm not getting that impression in the movie. <laughs> yeah, the first thing <laughs> no. that you get out of her in this one is that she looks like she's at least about seven or eight and she can't read. Because <laughs> she asks <laughs> what the pet cemetery sign says. Now granted it is misspelled. But and it was that's no faded. excuse. That's no excuse. I don't. I don't agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that faded. I could read it, and yeah. I wear glasses. And just some of the stuff that comes out of her mouth just seems very tone deaf. She just doesn't really deliver her lines properly. And I don't know if that's the actress or just the direction she was given or what. But unfortunately, she's one of the weakest parts of the movie. And that's yeah. why they just send her to live with the grandparents in the <laughs> yeah. later half. <laughs> yeah, at, the, at the end of the movie, they're just like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, stay there. Yeah. Stay go, in Chicago. Go back to school. <laughs> Yeah, but um, there is a really good scene with her uh, and Lewis. It's like the only good scene between the two, and really the mm. only good scene with either of them, uh, where <laughs> where he's talking he's talking to her about death, essentially. And I think I think that's a, a large theme of this whole yeah. story, movie, book. Yeah. Either way, is is how we should talk to children about death. Mm-hmm. And how we should approach it with a child, because children, you know, obviously are very impressionable, and the way they experience things for the first time is the way they're going to experience things for the rest of their life in a lot of cases. Which is um, undercut by the sense that the only person that really seems super affected by Gage's death is Lewis. Like the like, I mean, Rachel cries and stuff at the funeral, and Ellie cries and stuff, and and, and Rachel for a lot of the book after Gage's death, and for in it's sort of meant sort of mentioned in the film, 
Rachel's on fucking Valium. Rachel's like off her head. She doesn't know where she is. Huh. But they, and they do mention that yeah. in the movie too. They're like, "Do you want a yeah. Valium?" And he says, "Look, oh no, tonight you need one." But they yeah. don't. But they don't emphasize that, that that's apparently her coping mechanism. Right. So that was lost on me. So I, without reading the book, and I wouldn't have known. I, that. I, would... I, I think Lewis just is like, "Yeah, just go be drunk. Just go be. Just go be drunk." Seems like Lewis. No, drugged up. <laughs> and I, I think part of it is not necessarily because Rachel doesn't have isn't. Because everybody grieves in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's necessarily that Rachel isn't grieving as hard or as intensely as Lewis. I think it's that Lewis has a fucking savior complex. Yeah, uh, true. I, yeah. I think that Lewis is just like, I have to fix this because uh, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, if we're, if it's... Talking to children about death is, is, is one part of it, but... Lewis's mm. inability or inability rather to accept anything right. is the hard part, and that's what you're talking about with the right. savior complex. It's just like he yeah. can't let go. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. It's not about necessarily even not not ex- like he can't accept that Gage is dead. Mm-hmm. He can't accept that he was the person who made him dead. <laughs> and then later on, he can't accept that his actions in bringing Gage back led to the death of his wife, and he does the whole thing over again. You're like, what the yeah. fuck is your problem? Yeah. You fucking idiot. You he, <laughs> he just keeps making the same mistake over and over and over again. It's just, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. He just, he thinks that he's going to, every time he resurrects a thing, it's going to be good this time, mm-hmm. and I don't know. And I, I guess you could no. point, what I said before we started was, I, I, I feel like if, if we're talking about like the stages of death and the stages of grieving, I feel like he got stuck in denial. Like he's oh, yeah. like, no, yeah. there's no way that they're dead. I, I, can, I, can, I can fix this. I can bring them back. To, to a certain degree also, though, it's just like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's... He's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> He's just stupid. That, that's my uh, high-level criticism. Stupid, stupid man. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, an, he's, a, he's a dumb... Why did he do this? And, 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 you know, it's not an easy thing. If you've ever had a loved one die, or if you've had somebody close to you get very sick, uh, or you've had a friend uh, that, that passed away for whatever reason... It's a really hard thing to let go. It's a really hard thing to go through those stages and really mm. overcome that sense of grief to move on with your life. And uh, see, that, yeah, that really hasn't... For one thing, yeah, that really hadn't happened to me personally, but I don't know what kind of mindset you would have to be in to, to want... I guess there is that urge to... I want them back, you know what I mean? That yeah. you want them back in your life, but I mean, there has to be a point where you understand that they're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And this is this is the very opposite of that. This is trying to run from that as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, it's he's constantly stuck in denial yeah. in, the, in the in the one of the hardest it's really one of the hardest grief stages to get over is denial and in the fact that that there is that they're gone and that they're not going to be just like in the in the next room like mm-hmm. when you go in there, that type of thing. And he's just, he's really, he can't get over that hump. And, and like I said, it's kind of a logical hump for him. Like, he keeps thinking that if he brings him back. And that, that's the whole thing, is, like, the thing that keeps cycling him back through that that stage of de- denial is is the the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. saying that maybe if I do it again, it'll be right this time. Like, he just keeps... It's it's like a it's like a it's an enabling mechanism for yeah. him, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's, um... Oh, uh, there's a term for it. 
it's like when you do a bunch of things expecting different results. Insanity? No. No. <laughs> no. That's, that's a dumb... I know it's a dumb quote, that, but it's incorrect for who, whoever they attribute it, it, it to said, most of the it's time. It's such a misinformed... Right. It's such a misinformed quote. I'm aware. It's so, it's so, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't ever say that again. <laughs> I'm just saying because you hear it everywhere. <laughs> I know there's a proper... Like a proper thing... Like, like a proper term for it. Like, in, in any case, what we're trying to say is basically he's using the cemetery as an enabling mechanism for him mm. to just be continually in denial. Mm. Um, and he, it's, it's almost like he's kind of like we said. We're he's saying he's he's got a savior complex. It's almost like he's getting a power trip off of it yeah. in, a, in a weird way because he's playing God uh, at that point. And it's just he, I don't know. He's dumb. He's a dumb guy. <laughs> yeah, he he's stupid. And his inability to, to to see, like, from what happened to church, you would never want to do that again if you're a right. rational person. Yeah. yeah, He just obviously isn't a rational person after Gage dies, and, and, and he just spirals so much, out of control. And there's so much evidence of what he's doing is not going to turn out good, because there's church, there's uh, Judd's uh, dog spot, yeah. uh, there's, there's Timmy, Timmy, Timmy yep. yeah, yeah, there's Timmy. I mean, it's like, there, there's no way this is going to turn out right. And it's obvious that yeah. all the people in the in the um, town that saw what happened with Timmy all said, "No, we're not gonna do that again. You yeah. know, we're not gonna let that happen." Hence, why it all gets stuck. You know, all those branches don't get cleaned up. Yeah. Right. And, and even more proof that he has a savior complex. He's an ER doctor. Yeah. That's, and that's he doesn't just, save the one person that yeah. comes into the ER that yeah. we see. Like, the one time we see him at work, he fucks up. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it just, it just everything about his personality is just like, I was put on this earth to save people, and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't, I, and I really don't think the, the correlation between him being an ER doctor and him wanting to bring people back to life after they die because he couldn't do anything about it. Uh, is really explored in the movie, but I feel like that is that that, that is a good, uh, basically correlation that Stephen King put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, definitely. I think I think that that was a very it was very astute mm-hmm. of him to put those two things together. Um, but let's let's talk about the difference between the book in the movie because yeah. uh, there are some differences. There's for the most part the story is pretty much the same. Boris, shut up! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's just gonna make him meow louder. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there. Uh, for the most part, the story is pretty much the same, but there are a few key differences. Yeah, in the in the movie, in this version of the movie, you can definitely tell right where the supernatural stuff is about to start. Like we were watching it, and then yeah. Victor says something right after. Uh, I think it's Rachel gets in that car crash. You think. Supernatural shit's about to happen. And then they just kind of keep going with the story yeah. like nothing. Yeah. yeah. He says it's trying to manipulate you. Mm-hmm. And then there's no explanation as what they're talking about. Yeah. 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 But basically, one of the, one of the big things that's omitted in the movie is the Wendigo. Uh, and the Wendigo is kind of, it's a, like we said, it's a cryptid um, that is basically has necromantic powers mm-hmm. And is bringing these things back to life is kind of a demonic type figure, um, but it's uh, like we said, it's it it's a part of Native American folklore, and uh, it's the Wendigo is actually kind of a character that's that reoccurs, I think, in Stephen King's work as well. Is it really? It, yeah. Okay. It only appears in one other story. 
which okay. is the girl. But that's still who, a reappearance. Yeah, <laughs> and which is the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Okay, I know that the Wendigo but is, is, is linked is... to. It's linked to a bunch of other things. It's it's sort of even linked to Pennywise. But yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that's omitted. They don't even barely mention yeah. uh, Wendigo. I don't think there. I don't. There is no mention of the Wendigo. Not at all. No, yeah. Not, uh, in, in, in this version of the movie, there is no mention of that in the least. And the, and like we said, there isn't really a, very much a mention of uh, Indian burial grounds necessarily in the movie. I mean, like we said, they kind of hint at it, mm. but they don't say it outright. Um, uh, Norma is not in the movie, and Norma is Judd's wife. Yeah. Um, instead, yeah, instead they replace her with a, a, a housekeeper. I can't remember the name of the character herself, but um, she was okay. She said something dickish to him at one point in the movie, and then you don't see her again. And then she hangs herself to no fanfare, and then you never hear from her again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's a, a whole another like storyline with Norma, Judd's wife, in the book. Um, and, and I'm, I know that at one point she has like a near fatal heart attack, uh, in the book, but uh, do you know what the rest of the story is with Norma? Um, uh, she, she does just, she does just sort of, she does die. (laughs) She, she does die. She's the only, um, natural death in the book where, and she's not resurrected. And it's why Judd doesn't entirely, um, you know, go after Lewis when he puts Gage in the ground or anything. That's why he doesn't stop him. Oh, it's okay. Because so he's it... grief-stricken by the fact his own wife has died. and He wishes he could have the the courage to do the same yeah. thing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I guess that would have been hard to explore in the amount of time that they had. You know what I mean? Because yeah, then you would have I... had to make a whole other like, facet of the movie. And you already have you already have Rachel's story. You already have Lewis's yeah, but, story. Well, they could have taken out the, the, the like caretaker of the house character and put Norma in. She didn't yeah, have that much screen time anyway, though. That's all made up for it as well, so. Yeah. Right. I, I think they could have just taken her out and put Norma in. Yeah. And they could have just... T- it would have only taken, like, not even yeah. ten minutes of the film, I yeah. think, to... To to like explore that whole thing, and it would have probably made more sense. Yeah, and I think especially it made, as Norma made... has arthritis, so you wouldn't really have to do much with her because she'd just be stuck in the house. Huh. So that's an interesting choice. I wonder why. I guess they thought it was too much work, or they just didn't. I... No, no that's a mystery one knows. to me. That's a mystery. Yeah. It's an interesting choice, but yeah, yeah I mean, we we will never probably know. <laughs> Um, one of the other differences uh, between the movie and the book is the movie ending, the very, 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 very ending is a little different than yeah, the it's different. ending in the book. And, and the ending of both of them is that uh, Lewis resurrects Rachel because Rachel gets killed um, by Gage, um, the, the evil Gage. Yeah. Uh, and in the end of the book, it's, not, it's more subtle. Um, it's even is, is... inferred that he gets out alive. Yeah, so Lewis is sitting by himself playing solitaire in both instances, and uh, in the book, uh, Rachel comes up uh, behind him and places her hand on his shoulder and just says, darling, in a very raspy voice. Uh, but <laughs> in the... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how I imagine but it. it. In the movie, there's, like, this big fanfare at the end, essentially, where she comes in and she has half her face missing. And, Mm. I mean, the makeup in this scene is really good. We will say that the effects that they do in this scene are really fucking cool. The whole effects budget basically went to that (laughs) end of the scene. 
Um, but they they share a kiss, a very gross kiss, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, she pulls out a knife, and then the screen goes to black, and you hear like mid swing. Yeah, yeah. You, just mid swing is when it fades to black. So it's a little bit more dramatic in the movie, and I think I like the more subtle tone that the book had as far as the ending is concerned. But mm. uh, I think both they were are doing it for they were doing it for American cinema audiences who would have preferred to have a little more hacky slashy they bits. Want, they want more as their final stabbing. scare. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we we see a lot of differences between adaptions and Stephen King films uh, specifically. I mean, like, you know, the, the Stanley Kubrick version of The Shining is very different from from the book there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are different from the yeah. book and or from the movie and then that's why Stephen King did the mini series of the shining which uh I I don't want to go into it but it's um I don't know why he felt like that was the definitive version <laughs> uh, is all I'm going to say uh anyway uh there were a lot of Stephen King adaptions that came out around this time yeah uh, other than just pet cemetery uh, Cujo was a big one mm-hmm. that came out at this time uh Oh boy, Maximum Overdrive. The one Christine. that he was able to direct and write entirely. Yeah, Christine was a Christine big one. Christine came out as well. Uh, but yeah, Maximum Overdrive is the one that I get stuck oh, on. Maximum because <laughs> Maximum Overdrive is intended to be a comedy. And it's but... a sequel to Mighty Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Only the media West of us is in both. Exactly. Maximum Overdrive D4. <laughs> 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 D4 Maximum Overdrive. Okay. Uh, Yeah, but, I mean, Maximum Overdrive is intended to be comedic in in a lot of respects, Mm. but it is also just, what the fuck? It is pretty hilarious. Just giant green face truck. No. It's, and it's meant to be the Green Goblin. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Um, And then it's like, oh, it's Ray M. It's Ray M. And then it turns out it wasn't that. But- yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maximum Overdrive is a real strange it's movie. It's a trip of a movie to watch. I don't know when I'm going to watch it again. but Yeah, <laughs> everybody should watch it at least once and then never watch it again. <laughs> but then after this, then you uh, it was really after this movie, because this was 89. Then after this, the 90s were really when the Stephen King yeah. miniseries really came yeah. into its own. I love those miniseries. Yeah. It's just, it was, yeah, it was a strange time for Stephen King adaptions because mm. and we, we might do something on on Stephen King miniseries at some point but I mean a lot, a lot of the miniseries that you see come out in this this period of the 90s is uh you see The Stand, you see The Shining, uh you see uh The Langoliers, you see Tommy Knockers. There's a whole you bunch it. Rose it's, Red. Yeah, R- Rose Red. I Did think, that come out 2000? Yeah, that was 2000. Yeah, Rose Red was 2000. Rose Red's 2000. Still feels very the same. We talk way too much about Rose Red. I don't want to mention it ever again. <laughs> oh, we're going to do a whole episode on Rose yeah, Red. Yeah, we're going to do talking a, about? We're probably going to do an episode on Rose Red. But uh, <laughs> um but yeah, that's um so it was as just, far as where this one sits, though, compared to some of the other things that they did of Stephen King, Stephen King's work at the time, I think this is one of the better ones. I think yes. this really stands above, yeah. definitely above Maximum Overdrive for obvious reasons. But I like this better mm-hmm. than Christine. Now I haven't seen Christine in a long time, but I definitely think this one was directed and looks better. Just yes. and definitely the meaning behind oh, it is a lot more important. Oh yeah. And um, and as for, gosh, I mean, I guess. It, just, uh, it came out so much later, I don't think there's too much comparison. It was 1990, so it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long, okay. And I guess yeah. It was actually like a year after Pet Sematary. Yeah. Damn. So, I mean, I, there are definitely things about the It miniseries that I, I enjoy, uh, but so much <laughs> was wrong. Yeah, I, <laughs> he, I still oh, would prefer this. Yeah. So, I, much, so much was 
off. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Love Tim Curry, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tim Curry was definitely the best part of for the sure. It miniseries, but... They just need to have a, a series of just Tim Curry and Judd. Like, or Tim Curry is Pennywise and Judd, and then put them in, like, a death battle or, like, a, a, a like, or like one of those escape rooms or something and just put the camera going, I don't know. Yeah, It'd be fun. I wonder if there ever was a celebrity deathmatch episode of that. that <laughs> Maybe. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, they're they're like we said, and this is basically why we decided to do this episode. We kind of moved this episode up um, to yeah. to go in between some of the episodes that we had planned already because the Pet Cemetery uh, remake is coming out, uh, like we said, April fifth, uh, and um, there is. I personally think that the remake's not going to be that bad. I'm... I just don't like the changes that they've made. I think if they'd have kept it, that the twist is dumb to me. I, well, What's your, what, what are you saying the twist is? Yeah, what are you saying the twist is? Well, everyone knows that the, the twist is that they kill off Ellie instead because they basically showed it to you in the trailer. Oh, right. yeah, but I'm not going to trust the trailer though. May, that might not be the case. Yeah, that might not be the case. And even if even if they do just kill off Ellie instead, I mean, I know that's a change, but I mean. So what? I mean, they already... I feel like this is such a, a good adaption that you don't really... Like, it's okay for them to try different stuff, I guess. What the... Re yeah, I mean, as I said, at the moment, I'm not sold on it. But I will wait until I see someone review it or something. For sure. I think what the remake is going to hinge on, for me, is how well they do the second act with Killer Gage. Yeah. That's going to really... Because we were talking about yeah. this last night... I really killer Ellie. In the yes, we know. But okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the 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 slasher villain of Gage in this mm. movie. I really thought he was a good slasher villain. And I, I was thinking about it. There's not a whole lot of other young child slasher villains. I mean, you have uh, let the right one in. You said you. We, I mean, the Omen to a certain degree. Yeah. Um. Mm. But it's a very visceral type of, of killer because it's like, this is a baby and he's going to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just very unsettling. And like, then you have Chucky, but Chucky's a doll with a murderer inside him or yeah. an AI script that tells him to oh. kill people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no AI. So anyway, what the remake will really hinge on for me is how they do that second act. You yes. know, that's really how I will judge. I agree. It. I agree. Uh, I think that's going to be really... I I think also the way that John Lithgow portrays Judd True. will be important. Because Absolutely. like yeah, we said, Judd carries important. this movie and carries the book too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I think that his portrayal is going to be an important one. If he mm -hmm. nails it, I think it could be good. Yeah. Even if, even if, despite the changes, despite what things that they're changing in it, and despite what other things may be wrong with it, I think if he, does, if he nails that performance, I think it could be pretty good. Definitely. Yeah. I, and that's... I mean... All I'm going to say about it, personally. I'm coming around. I'm, as said, I'll wait till, I assume, Red Letter Media will probably do a half in the bag on it. And for films I'm not entirely sold on, I will wait until someone does a half in the bag or another channel I watch does a review, and then I'll watch it. For if, sure. Yeah. If they tell... If they say it's good enough and I trust yeah. their opinion. And that's fair. I mean, you don't want to spend money on something that you think will probably be shitty. Um, yeah, especially as, it, <laughs> especially as I'm very cash-strapped. You and me do. We, yeah. we spend money on shitty things all the time. Absolutely. But Watch the movie Pet Shop, everyone. That's the, that's the end of the episode. It's, uh, Pet Shop is from, yeah. uh, I think, 1992. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. So what, what are our, our favorite moments of Pet Cemetery? Any moment with church. 
<laughs> yeah. Church, oh, Church is a good boy. Church is a good boy. Because I bloody love cats. Yeah. And the first time I watched this movie, um, in, uh, well, I say the first time I watched this movie. Well, when I watched it uh, last year, because I watched it last year, because it was on the Sky Store. Watched it last year, and I had my my Loki with me. I had my lovely boy Loki. Who was sitting there in front of me licking his testicles or anything. <laughs> As they do. Boy. But yeah, but sure. No, I, I had my cat cuddled up and we watched the film about the dead cat. Church is fluffy beyond belief. Yes. I love this cat in this film. You thought he was a puppet. I did at first. He looked yeah. too fluffy. There's no way a cat can be that fluffy. Also, fun fact about the remake, uh, there are five cats that portray Church in the remake and they were all rescue cats and they have all found homes. And that's really cool. Yes. And uh, mostly with the cast and crew. Oh, I didn't yeah. know. I, we didn't mention that part last night. That's really yeah, cool. The yeah, crew, that most, is really mostly cool. Mostly the crew took him. Fuck. That's sick. I like that. I like that a lot. Remember, guys, adopt, don't shop. For Agreed. sure. Agreed. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I actually have two favorite moments. <laughs> two moments that I really, really enjoy. We've already talked about one of them. One of them is when fucking Lewis is sitting there playing cards. It's just a very end scene. You know what I mean? I love the end scene. The end scene is great. <laughs> um, just basically him sitting there and her, you just seeing her legs walking up all gnarly and stuff like yeah. that I love that scene and the way the camera is done and everything yeah. but my hands down favorite scene is when Rachel comes back and she has no idea what's going on and <laughs> she walks up and she opens that door and she sees uh, Zelda reaching out for her. She's like, I'm going to kill you, blah, 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 and all that shit. And then she snaps out of it and fucking Gage is there in his little fucking top hat outfit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, what? And he's like, I got a present for you, mommy. It's a scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's that kills me. <laughs> my favorite scene is where Lewis opens up the attic door and Gage flies out at him <laughs> at lightning speed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very oh. clearly a puppet. That uh, is, it is amazing. They just whoof, just chucked it at him like a football, and he probably just had to like cradle it but in also, his arms. Also, I do like the scene where uh, Judd's uh, um, Achilles tendon gets cut because oh. uh, it's very brutal. Oh. Yeah, and just uh, a tiny hand oh holding the scalpel. And, and, and they already <laughs> showed in the trailer for the remake that they're going to recreate that scene. Hell yeah, yeah. that's oh, really my, just my, cool. Good. My ankle is just yeah, it it, it remembers. Yeah, he remembers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like a lot of the scenes in this. Mm -hmm. But some of the ridiculous ones are actually still pretty enjoyable. So. And we kind of glossed. I also kind of love every moment with Victor. I was about yes. to say that. Yeah, I was about to say we kind of glossed over Victor and talking about it a little bit. But Victor is actually a really good character, and it's not explained whether or not everyone can see him, or whether or not anyone but Lewis can see him, or if they only hear him. And they give him like a the Ellie gives him some weird fucking name that I don't Pascal. even remember. How, yeah, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's because she can't say Pascal because she's a stupid child. Where did Pascal come from then? Because that's his last name. Victor oh, it's Pascal. his last name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shit. Gotcha. Never mind. I thought it was just some nonsense that he was hitting the child <laughs> with just to fuck with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, you dumb. I'm going to confuse the shit out of you. <laughs> mm. yeah. What are uh, final thoughts? Hmm. Pet Cemetery is... is one of the one of his best books. Read it. Pet Cemetery is also one of the best films made of yeah. his work. I would yeah. say that. I, 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 
it's hard to say one of the best Stephen King adaptations and stuff because I have soft spots for a lot of them. But yeah, I think this is mm. one of the this one you can't go wrong with. Let me put no. it that way. Like you know, yes. if you watch this, you are going to see a quality film based on a quality story. You know, I, it's really good. Pet Cemetery as as a book of Stephen King's is one of my favorite ones. It's a really really good. It's really well put together. It's like one of the most like comprehensible ones. <laughs> yeah, like, fr- from that era. It's of not aliens, writing. you mean? Yeah, uh, but yeah, from that era of his writing. It doesn't involve a child orgy. (laughs) And really 90% of them did. Um, (laughs) uh, Oh no, never. uh, I'm not going there. (laughs) Basically what I'm trying to get at is this is like one of his best stories. Uh, Like I said, I don't think it's the greatest adaption of any of his his works that's ever been made, but I think it's a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. And as Isaac said, you can't really go wrong with watching it. If you pitch that next to fucking Rose Reds, you're good. If you yeah. put anything next to Rosebud, it'll look good. Like Rose... fucking painting a bench with poop it looks better <laughs> wait, than wait. Rose Red. Who, what was better, Rose Red or the monster? Oh man, the monster because it's shorter. <laughs> yeah, the monster because it, because it was in a fucking mini series, three hours long. Yeah, yeah. You, you, and you. I mean, the, the good thing about most bad movies is you could turn them off at any time. Good thing not to. Too. <laughs> like you got to think of the Nielsen ratings of mm-hmm. like when they aired the first episode of Rose Red, and then they're like, should we really put the second one Because they're like, nobody watched the first one. I don't know how ratings they t- work. They turned off after the first did they, three minutes. Did they minutes. have real-time <laughs> ratings back then? Did they know how many people watched things? In the things? early 2000s? Yeah. Yes. I don't know yeah. where technology was yeah, then. Yeah, Nielsen ratings in boxes have been around for a long time. Mm. Huh, okay. Yeah. Oh, they knew. They've known for a long time. How would they? I mean, how would they be able to figure out programming if they didn't know? Like, oh, I thought they just went with whoever paid them enough money to put stuff on the air. No, <laughs> I mean yes, but no. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's all we got for this week. This is a good one. Also, I, I listen like, to I the Ramon song good. that's at the end of the film because it's sick. For yes. Sure. Yeah, the Ramon song titled Pet Cemetery, which, they wrote uh, which was written because, for the film. Because Stephen King loves the Ramones, and they were like, cool, yeah. we like you too, Stephen King. Let's, <laughs> yep. let's do this thing. It's also one of their few charting songs. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. And it's a pretty good song, I don't know. I, no, I mean, it's I a good song. No, I wasn't saying that it wasn't a good song, I was just surprised that... This is one of their few charting ones. I thought they had more charting ones than that. Yeah. No, I it's funny cuz that it's a really great song to end the movie on like yeah. when it goes to credits. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that's that fucking rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway, yeah, that's a uh, that's it. That's all we got this week. Sure. Uh, we got social media. I know we said we were going to start plugging the Patreon at the beginning, and maybe we will at some point, but uh, we do have a Patreon. The uh, Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash PC of the Dead, and uh, we already have tiers set up. We've already talked about the porn choosing. Uh, I think we're done talking yeah, about we've gone, uh, we, We've kind of milked that joke dry a little bit. Yeah. You, not that you can't still do it, I swear to God. Still, you can still do it, but we've talked about we, it. I don't know, maybe it's come back around and you're laughing again. We've milked that joke dry like Zach's going to milk his dick to something you pay for. Uh, <laughs> and there it is. I didn't mean to set that up like that, but it happened. <laughs> but umps. Okay. Uh, anyway. I'm funny. <laughs> 
Everyone's going to say I'm funny this episode, except yeah. me, except I just did, but out of context. <laughs> I'm just going to edit it in later of just yeah. you saying just I'm funny. Just at the funny. very end of the episode, I'm funny. I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're also on Facebook. we got a Facebook page. It's under Podcast of the Dead. Just search that on Facebook if you know how to even use Facebook. Uh, if you don't, I don't know how you even got here, uh, but yeah. we're, we're proud of you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're also on Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are at PC of the Dead. Uh, and then we have an email, uh, podcast of the dead at gmail.com. Please send us stuff uh, in one word increments. Uh, send us <laughs> an email with only no subject line. Just one word at a time. You no, know, no. Just actually, just treat our <laughs> inbox like a, like a version of like the Reddit Ask Ouija, where you <laughs> yeah. where you just send one letter a, a piece, yeah. and so we'll take every letter that anyone sends us and mash them into something and make an anagram of what might be a horror movie. We will we will write the final zodiac letter. <laughs> <laughs> final zodiac killer Wait, letter. Wait, Ted Cruz. <laughs> oh God. We'll, we'll write the final zodiac killer letter with the letters that you send us. <laughs> And the cops will finally be able to solve the crimes. Yeah, and then we all go to jail. How is this good? I don't understand. I just want it to be solved. Shits and giggles, mate. God damn it. Shits and giggles. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you very much. We appreciate everyone. Yes, thank you. We love you very much. We do. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to us. Bye. And carrying on listening to us. For sure. Like, listen to us talk about bullshit. I don't know. I I have to do it every day just because I'm me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why y'all bother. <laughs> you cannot truncate the amount of bullshit that comes out of your mouth. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have I mean, to do a lot of editing. <laughs> if I wasn't doing this with y'all, I'd just be doing it at Stephen. Poor bastard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Later, guys. Bye. Bye. Love you guys. I'm funny. <laughs>